What's the latest on vendor management? Hi, this is Tom Field, Editorial Director with Information Security Media Group. We're talking about vendor management today, and we're talking with Donald Saxinger, Senior Examination Specialist with the FDIC. Don, it's a pleasure to talk to you again. Hi, Tom. Thanks for the invitation, and uh, glad to be back. So we talked about vendor management about two years ago when you worked with us on a webinar. Since then, the vendor management guidance hasn't changed necessarily, but the technology landscape has. What are the current trends that most concern you in the FDIC? Well, you know, we wrote the guidance on vendor management to be governance-based, and we try to not focus it on specific technology so that when new technologies come down, you can use the existing guidance. Uh, you certainly don't need your regulator running around and chasing after every new piece of technology that comes out. But there are some trends that we are um, seeing that people are asking about. Uh, how do we do this? And quite often the regulators will respond that the existing guidance is appropriate. So, for example, you know, we get questions on cloud computing and social media or mobile banking or, you know, any of these new uh, technologies, and they ask, well, can we do this? And our response is, well, what does the existing vendor management guidance say? If you can fit it within that, then um, you can use that technology or service and uh, uh, just follow the existing guidance. So, uh, as I mentioned, so there are some new uh, um, technologies uh, I don't want to call them new technologies, but banks are starting to wonder about using them. Uh, we mentioned cloud computing. Um, uh, that's 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 a big buzzword a lot lately. And uh, uh, I, the question I get is, you know, can we do cloud computing? And so the first thing I look at is, well, what does the existing guidance say? It says you should have, you know, a proper due diligence, risk assessment, you know, contract issues, and monitoring. And so let's go back to the, the guidance that the agencies, all the agencies wrote on outsourcing technology services. And particularly on the contract issues, there are certain requirements um, that banks, financial institutions, uh, need to ensure when they're outsourcing um, uh, their banking function. Um, in particular, they have to look at the confidentiality of customer information. They have to look at the... Uh, business continuity or the availability of the service if it's critical. They have to look at, you know, the integrity of the data as it's processed. Uh, regulatory access, uh, they need to be able to get their data back if there's a problem with the service provider or contract, uh, so ownership of the data. And all of these things are covered in contract terms. Uh, we call them service level agreements. Uh, what are the specific terms of the contract that the bank should monitor? And, uh, and that's been working well with a lot of these established service providers that are out there. And now we're moving into more of a consumer or a commodity type of market with lots of new services out there. Um, and we're just wondering, can we do them? Well, let's, let's look for a moment at what types of contracts are available. So, for example, um, cloud computing. What is, what is the benefit or the driver of cloud computing? Um, uh, a lot of people tell me it's the cost. The cost is the issue. It's being offered at a lower cost. And what are they offering? Well, I'm, I'm not going to get into all the different products that are out there, 
but in cloud computing, they break it up in three categories, you know, um, applications as a service, uh, platform as a service, things like that. These are all types of services that the banks are currently using or, or types of things that the banks are currently doing that they have contracts for. But now we're moving into where these third parties are developing more of a consumer pricing model, I'll call it, where we can get some of these services at lower cost, but what are we losing in return? And um, one of the things that I see right off the bat are the contract terms. There are fewer service level agreements that are out there that protect the customer, or in this case, the bank. Uh, one, one easy example that I go with is uh, telecommunications. If we recall uh, back uh, when we were all using uh, T1 lines, uh, what was the average uh, cost for a T1 line at, at a bank? You know, hundreds of dollars per month. But what did they get for that? They got a guaranteed service, a guaranteed amount of bandwidth per month, a guaranteed amount of uptime, uh, and that was in a contract. And that's what they paid for. And now consumers are getting the same level of bandwidth, you know, with their broadband uh, types of connections, at ridiculously low prices, at least compared to those T1 prices. And, and what has changed? Well, the, the service level agreement has changed. And so now with uh, uh, broadband, you will be guaranteed up to a certain amount of bandwidth. Um, well, that's not really the same type of serverless level agreement that we had in banks. In banks, we had you get this amount or there are you know certain penalties. Um, so now we're starting to see the same thing in other areas. Um, we can uh, move to a cheaper model, but there's going to be trade-offs as far as the amount of service level. And that's the part that the banks need to be aware of. Well, Don, that's really helpful. And cloud computing absolutely is something I wanted to ask you about. And there are a few other challenges I want to talk with you about as well. The first would be social media. Are social networking sites considered vendors? Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's, that's a good question. Uh, I guess it depends on how you're using it. And one of the things that we look at, uh, what is a vendor? In fact, that's an actually more deep, more deep question than uh, would seem on the surface. Uh, one that would involve lawyers and uh, um, compliance examiners and things like that. And why do we care about this as a regulator, as a vendor? Um, well, we have certain guidance that's out there, particularly under the Bank Service Company Act that any financial institution that um, uh, contracts for services must notify their regulator. And uh, that same regulation is also what gives us as a regulator a certain amount of authority to go and review some of those service providers. And so why do you need to know if it's a vendor? Well, because you have a regulatory requirement to report it. Now, when this r regulation was written, I think it was like 1961 or 62, you know, the idea of what all future technologies that are out there wasn't, you know, uh, well known. Um, so we're constantly looking at, we're seeing new technologies that we occasionally say, hey, that's a service for the bank. Uh, which ones should the banks report? Well, um, consider if it's a banking function. Anything that you would do as a bank and if... Uh, you can outsource it, and you do, then you probably should be notifying your regulator. And, you know, 
you can check with your regulator. Each one has certain forms that you can send in and things like that. Now, social media is, is sort of interesting because um, we haven't written specific guidance on it. And banks ask us, can we do social media? What are the regulators going to say? And so far, we've been saying the existing guidance seems to work pretty well, uh, particularly on vendor management. Um, we have, you know, of course, uh, security and privacy rules. Um, but what are some of the specific issues with social media that I'm seeing related to vendor management? Well, first of all, um, if you were to outsource any banking function, it normally would go through some sort of process committee. Um, you, you'd look at the, the risks, the costs, the benefits, and all of that, and then some sort of committee would make a technology and, and business uh, strategy decision on if we're going to outsource it. Social media, just like cloud computing, in fact, a lot of times these are uh, interchangeable because social media uses cloud computing technology. Social media wasn't really designed for the enterprise. Just look at the, the first step, the contract, the sign-up process. You sign up with a, you know, a username and a password. Well, in an enterprise, how do you have uh, a department manage this uh, service if there's only one password? Um, which employee is going to have that password? Are you going to share it? Or are they all going to take it home? What are the terms of the social media contract that they've given you? They're certainly not in favor of a commercial enterprise like a bank. In fact, um, I think their contracts, or at least their terms of service, or their privacy agreements and all that, they can sort of change at will of the, the provider. So it's hard to say that you have specific, you're going to be able to meet specific vendor management requirements with some of the social media providers. Now, it's not to say that we're saying you can't do social media. It's just that, you know, depending on what you're using it for, um, it may or may not meet some of our requirements under vendor management. Um, let's look at one of the requirements for ensuring that your vendor has the same level of security for customer information that the bank would have. Uh, that's a requirement under Graham-Leach-Bliley. How do you ensure that with social media? Um, things like that. So that is a risk. And the other problem is that because some of these technologies, like social media or cloud computing, they don't require any technology or any infrastructure to be implemented in your institution, which means that it can bypass these committees uh, that you might have established for ensuring that you've done the uh, cost-benefit analysis and the risk assessment. In fact, you could have, you know, even maybe one of your interns signing the bank up for one of these, and you won't even know it. So that's a risk area. So even if you decide not to go into these areas, you may have to uh, consider uh, governance, uh, some sort of policies within your institution about what are, what are the appropriate um, practices and rules in our institutions with regard to these uh, types of services? Well, you got me thinking, Don, about so many emerging services that banks are, are getting into these days, cloud computing, social media, mobile banking, certainly P2P payments. And, and the question arises, and I think you, you mentioned it, which types of these services do banks need to be upfront about reporting to their regulators? Okay, well... Um, we do have the specific rule under the Bank Service Company Act, and I mentioned each regulator implemented uh, um, a regulation for that. Um, we're not always so sure ourselves, to be, honest, <laughs> to 
quite honest. There's, uh, we have to uh, go to our legal department and say, hey, there's this new technology out there. Is it um, one of these services? Um, but in general, I would look at it uh, from a banking function perspective. If this is a, a function of the bank where somebody is uh, performing some service for you that is a banking function or decision-making function, or including your operations, your technology, and you've outsourced it, then yes, that would be a technology service that is reportable. And, and the general idea behind that, and there's, there's attorneys who can tell you all the legal um, requirements, but the general idea is that the regulator um, has unfettered access to the bank's operations, books, and records. And just because you outsource some function somewhere, should not hinder us from having access to those same uh, operations, books, and records. Um, and likewise, as we put out in some of our policies on uh, third-party risk, uh, just because the financial institution outsources it, it is, no, it is still, the institution is still subject to the same requirements for um, uh, administering all those functions. So uh, if it's outsourced, the bank is just as responsible um, uh, uh, for the risk management of those functions. And that's why we require it to be uh, a notification. Don, let me make sure I'm clear on this. What's the specific distinction between outsourcing what you call a business function versus outsourcing an IT function? Okay, well... I don't know if we distinguish between them for regulatory purposes, but we do look at both aspects with respect to um, how we as a regulator are concerned about the systemic risk. Um, I mentioned there are certain service providers out there that we might want to uh, go and examine. Um, and now there's an infinite number of service providers out there now with the technology changing and, and things that banks are using, and we don't have the resources to go to everyone out there. And so we're looking at those types of service providers that may pose systemic risk to the banking industry. And one way that we can, you know, better manage our resources is to, you know, do a risk assessment of those service providers that are notified to us. And there are two areas that we look at. We look at the business process, and then we look at the underlying technology. And we rank those separately. So we consider them both on our same risk ranking um, process. Um, so business function, IT uh, processing, uh, they sort of go hand in hand. And in fact, you know, we look at IT as simply one of the layers to support a business process. Um, it's the you know the lower layers, the uh, technology layers. But every technology layer has an application on top of it, and every application has a user or a, an employee that um, utilizes that technology. And then every employee is governed by uh, policies within the institution, and the policies are derived from their business strategy. So we look at it, at, you know, in a holistic enterprise approach. So technology is just one part of it. Um, we start with the business process, and then we move down to technology. Don, educated guests, where do you think that banks might expect future guidance in vendor management? Well, I don't like to speculate on guidance in the future. I, I really don't know. I thought we wrote our guidance broad enough to cover most of these. But we are getting lots of requests for 
um, uh, more guidance. Um, I mentioned like social media and cloud computing. Usually though, when these requests come in, it's because they're looking for um, more specific rules on can we do this or can't we do that. Uh, I don't know if we're going to write on that because uh, we took a risk-based approach and that requires a little bit more work on the end, on the, uh, the part of the examiner and on the part of the bank to de make the determinations. Um, so when they ask us, uh, again, uh, for more guidance, uh, uh, I sometimes wonder, are they questioning whether or not the guidance that we issued does not apply or um, is it completely different? Uh, and what you end up with when we do that kind of guidance is uh, repetitive guidance or guidance that reminds you, yes, this technology uh, is covered by all of these existing guidance, whether it's IT vendor management guidance or uh, like uh, in social media. There's lots of uh, compliance types of uh, rules out there for dealing with consumers, you know, like Regulation E, um, uh, marketing disclosures and things like that, the guidance isn't going to change specific to a technology, and that's what people need to realize. That's a good point. Don, a final question for you. In the absence of any additional guidance, in light of the emphasis that the FDIC in particular has put on vendor management for the past few years, what advice do you offer to banks to ensure that they're continuing to practice proper vendor management? Okay, well, to ensure proper vendor management guidance, I'm going to speak as a regulator. You know, we do this sort of examination. Uh, one of the things that we published are the examination guidelines that we use. And all of those guidelines are available either on the FDIC's website or the FFIC's website. And I strongly recommend that you use that as a self-assessment. Um, at the beginning of, uh, or just before every exam that the FDIC does, we send out an officer's questionnaire. And on that questionnaire is an entire section on vendor management. Um, why wait for that questionnaire to come in to answer it? Why not go download it right now and see if you can um, effectively answer those questions? That's, that's your self-assessment. And uh, likewise with the FFIEC guidance, there's the FFIEC uh, handbooks on uh, the FFIEC's website. The IT, examin IT examination handbooks have uh, uh, various items that uh, cover vendor management. Uh, for example, the outsourcing handbook uh, uh, is uh, an important one. Uh, there's also uh, some discussion in the management handbook. Um, there's, uh, you might want to be familiar with the IT rating system that uh, we use, uh, which covers um, outsourcing risks. And, and that's the whole um, point from the regulatory perspective, is we're trying to determine how well the institution is managing its risks. And third-party and outsourcing risks is one of those categories. And if you're not managing it well, your risk rating is going to end up with a, a lower uh, or poorer rating. If you're managing it well, you get a better rating. And that's that's our role as the regulator. So we'll go back and look at what our guidelines are on that because we're using them, so I would uh, uh, suggest strongly that the institutions use them. Don, that's great insight, and it's a pleasure to catch up with you again. Thanks so much for taking time to talk with me today. Hey, thanks for the invitation, Tom. We've been talking about vendor management. We've been talking with Donald Saxinger, Senior Examination Specialist, 
with the FDIC. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.